0: Welcome to another episode of Focused on Christ where we are passionate about exalting Christ and equipping the church. I'm Mike Crump here with Pastor Nathan Smith and uh, before we begin our conversation about Habakkuk, we have a question from a listener. Her question is from episode 26 on Song of Solomon. She asks, you mentioned that the use of frankincense and myrrh in uh, chapter 4 verse 6 alludes to oils used in death, also the priesthood. My first thought when I heard frankincense and myrrh was of the Magi's visit with Jesus. Is this New Testament reference with the oils an example of typology?
1: Uh, Hello, Mike. How are you doing today? Hello, Nathan.
0: I'm, j- I'm just jumping right in. You're I'm just sorry. jumping I, right in. No, no, it's good. I'm just throwing um, questions at you.
1: <laughs> well, I think, I think th- this is great to open with, and I appreciate that people are asking questions and thinking through these things. Yeah. Uh, when we ask the question about typology, it is really important to understand that typology is a very specific aspect of interpretation. So okay. just redefining it, typology is an image in the Old Testament that points to Christ, but then is affirmed in the New Testament as being an image of Christ. Okay. So typology is very very specific. Okay, um, It is definitely, Jesus is called the, the, the Passover Lamb. Mm-hmm. So we know that the Passover Lamb of the Old Testament is a type of Christ. Gotcha. Jesus describes himself as raising up this temple, this body, in three days. He mm-hmm. wasn't talking about the literal temple, but those type of images type, typographically picture Christ. Okay. So when we talk about the frankincense and myrrh, Whoever brought this up is definitely picking up on a a critical theme. Mm -hmm. I would put this in the theme category. Okay. Now, both themes and types all are meant to paint this picture that when Christ comes on the scene, it should be obvious, this is the Messiah. Yeah. So the frankincense, myrrh, uh, that definitely with the the Old Testament and the Song of Solomon and then other references in the priesthood and then coming into the birth of Christ, Mm -hmm. these are themes that definitely picture different aspects of Christ but are not strictly a typology. Okay.
0: All right. Thank you. Very helpful. Uh, didn't think about it in the terms of very strict
1: definitions as far as uh, kind of interpretation. Yeah. It, it is a specific field of understanding that typology, we, we, want, we want to be careful. Otherwise, everything in the Old Testament can be made into a, well, this is Christ. Well, this yes. is Christ. Yes. Everything pictures aspects of God Mm -hmm. and helps prepare the way for Christ. But then there are these very specific pictures that are like, this is a type of Christ. And that's a very limited list.
0: All right. Well, thank you, sir. Now, on to our discussion today. Um, Last week, we discussed the destruction of Jerusalem. Um, And I encourage those, if you haven't Mm -hmm. heard it, just it's a one of the most significant historical moments, uh, especially in our redemptive history, but also just in the history of Israel. Um, And this week on the show, we're actually going to rewind a little bit and consider the message about this judgment that was given to the prophet Habakkuk. Um, Nathan, who is Habakkuk? It's a fun name to say, you know. um, And when did he serve as a prophet?
1: So Habakkuk is actually one of my favorite prophets, mm. just because you have this visceral, uh, really uh, writing of him questioning God. And i not, he's not my favorite because he questions God, but rather yeah. he just has this very honest dialogue. So probably written about 640 to 615 BC. Mm-hmm. So this is just before the fall of Assyria and the rise of Babylon. You have a lot of different things going on at this time period. And Habakkuk um, is writing during a time of kind of like ri- really the impending judgment of God about mm. to fall on the people. And he asks a lot of questions. Habakkuk writes during a seismic period of history, which if, if I can kind of tangent for a moment, yeah, I was reading um, just this past week about uh, Augustine. Mm-hmm. Uh, people call him St. Augustine mm-hmm. or Augustine, uh, lived in the third and fourth century uh, AD. And he lived during a time, and Jerome uh, as well, during this time when Rome was being overthrown, when Mm -hmm. Rome was sacked. Augustine ended up um, writing a good bit of his, um, uh, his writings at the end of his life when there were... 80,000 vandals that had surrounded the city and had laid siege to it. Oh, and wow. so he was writing during a time of great upheaval and some of his most potent writings came during this time as he questioned about well, what is God doing mm. and why is God doing it? Yeah. And it really helped kind of bring clarity to, hey, God's in control, we're going to be patient, God's mm-hmm. doing his kingdom, doing his kingdom, building his kingdom. Um, and it's those moments sometimes in history, Martin Luther seems type of thing, these great seismic upheavals, where sometimes we get these theological treatises that help to back up, look at the history, look at perspective, Mm. and be able to say, okay, what is God doing? Habakkuk is at one of those points. Mm. Uh, It's one of those points where history is being upended. Everything that he knew about Israel and the people of God and the plan of God seemed to be coming undone. And so the questions of, what are you doing, God? Really, he was probably parroting. What family members were asking mm, him? What yeah. friends were asking him? Yeah, uh, Habakkuk, why do you think God is doing this? Yeah, I mean, if they had blogs and tweets and, <laughs> and and editorials, it would have been things like, "What is God doing?" Yeah, didn't is God being faithful? Yeah, did is God going to keep His promise? So he is asking questions that are extremely pertinent to the people of that day. Yeah. Now there was an entire also group of people that were like. Ah, nothing's going to happen. Mm-hmm. We're the people of God. God's not going to do anything. We're going to survive. Uh, so you have Habakkuk here entering into that debate with his own questions. Yeah. What are you doing, God?
0: And to that, I think that we can look at his opening concern there in Habakkuk mm-hmm. 1, where he comes to the Lord and he says, "Oh Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear, or cry to you violence and you will not save? Why do you make me see iniquity, and why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me; strife and contention arise. Mm. Um, and it just seems like he's God. There is so much injustice. What are you doing about it? And
1: he's questioning God's character,
0: ultimately. He is. or
1: not only not, not like confronting it, but like you're saying, he's really asking very visceral questions. Yeah.
0: So is this this is more him looking at the nation of Israel Mm -hmm. and seeing the injustice that's happening and going, God, why aren't you changing this, right? So at this point, he's just looking at the nation and going, man, God, why do I see all this evil happening in our midst?
1: Yes, I I think he's looking at the nation. I also think he's probably looking broader beyond that because you, you have Babylon who's coming down and Assyria who had already destroyed the northern kingdom, Okay. right? So so Assyria had totally obliterated the gotcha. northern kingdom, and the Assyrians were brutally, brutally violent people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so between Israel or now Judah, and then also the northern kingdom that had been destroyed, he's asking, God, are you going to do anything about this? Yeah. Uh, families ripped apart, people killed and murdered and mm-hmm. slaughtered, and the Assyrians, what are you going to do with them? And the Babylonians, what are you doing with that? You know, yeah. it, it's a very broad question.
0: Okay. Now... One of the things, and we we covered this a lot in episode 21 uh, when we talked about lament, but just briefly, we talk about crying out to God this way, even questioning. Mm. Is it okay for us to do that? Because there's something that feels a little off in doing that, but is there a space for that for us even today?
1: I I think so. Um, I mean, not I think so, I know so uh, that we have to be able to talk to God about pains and battles. And, Mm -hmm. Mike, I mean, let me ask the question back at you. Yeah. Um, You Have there been times in your life when lament has definitely been the theme of a season?
0: Oh, yeah. No, there there have been times in life where whether hardship or something just doesn't happen like you think it should, Mm. um, that you you, just—you are asking God that question, why? God, why weren't you there for this? Why didn't you help with this? Why didn't you step in? Why didn't you change this situation? And uh, it really becomes— Uh, a moment of hardship and pain because you're like, I don't know what to do. But I found that I don't know what else to do but go to God. Yeah. Because he is the one who is of the greatest authority, um, and he's also near to the brokenhearted.
1: I think pain and hardship are are one of those things that God uses to drive us to himself. Uh, One does not know they need a a drink from the stream, Um, unless you've been walking for days in the desert. Mm. But then all of a sudden the parched land uh, rises the thirst, and when you get to that stream, it's like, wow, this is good. And when you walk through the pain in that parched season, uh, you you long for that drink of something more, and that God says, I am he. Now I think that when we look at lament, lament, we gave a definition is a is a uh, a prayer raised in pain that leads to hope. Yes, that's biblical lament. Mm-hmm. So it's raised in pain in, in hardship, mm-hmm. but I'm also looking for hope. Yeah, I'm looking for God to to respond, and I think that's what Habakkuk is doing here.
0: Oh, definitely. Habakkuk. And when we see the conclusion of the book here in a minute, we see that kind of full circle. Yes. Um, how do we, as we think of Habakkuk, we think of even other situations in our own life, mm. we see injustice even in our world today. We know that God does not stand for these things. But how do we reconcile God's slowness in judgment? Because that's, in essence, a lot of what Habakkuk's wrestling with. He's like, I'm seeing all this. I know you're a just God. Why aren't you taking care of it right now? Mm-hmm. How do we reconcile that slowness that we see in God's
1: time? Oh, man. Um there is a technical word for this that we call theodicy, the mm-hmm. question of God's justice and his goodness. Like, where, did the, where does theodicy, where does the theos and the justice kind of coincide? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's more of the technical debate. If you ever read a commentary and you see that word, that's what it means. Yeah. Uh, but this is something that the church has wrangled with for a long time. Mm-hmm. It's, it's one of the key questions that everybody asks. Yeah. I do like at times like to employ the Jesus method of argumentation Mm -hmm. that sounds like almost like a well how can you argue with that (laughs) but but Jesus often argued from lesser to greater yeah if this then this Mm -hmm. if 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 you can do this Mm -hmm. well why not this you know he kind of argues from lesser to greater Uh, so let me give an example good parenting Mm -hmm. if if your child does something wrong um if you, this is horrible, I'm not condoning, this it mm-hmm. actually would be illegal, right? But if you reached across the table and smacked them across the face instantaneously, uh, nobody would actually say that that was right. It would mm-hmm. be wrong, it'd be evil, that would be um, e- even illegal by our state standards. Um, let's take it another way. Okay, uh, so your child does something wrong and immediately you don't hear them, you don't understand and you, uh, you, you, you react. Mm-hmm. You give quote unquote justice, even if you think, even if they, they were in fact wrong. Um, Justice oftentimes, even in the even in the home, is a scope of time where you might say a good parent, a good parenting would be, okay, uh, you did something wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, Right now, I want you to go to your room. Mom and I are going to talk about what the next step is. Um, And then, you know what, Um, for the next week or the next month, we're going to have different aspects of consequence. What we do, what we're doing is we're understanding, depending on the issue, Mm -hmm. uh, that good uh, parenting has a factor of time, has a factor of, of space. Mm-hmm. Okay, if this, then that. Let's go to the next that. Yeah. If in our society, when someone commits a crime, there is not instant capital punishment, there is not instant incarceration, there's even a, a time space in the judicial process that mm-hmm. we allow for uh, justice to be walked out mm. in an appropriate time. Yeah. So all of these have time factors. Now we have God, mm-hmm. okay, God who is outside of time and space, who works not just simply in, 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 our, in our lifetime, but mm-hmm. works over centuries and millennia. Yeah. God is walking out his judicial process in spaces that go beyond our lifetimes most of the time. Mm. And this is something that is in a critical perspective because often injustice, we see injustice because justice was not meted out in the space that we wanted it and in the time allotment that we thought it should be done. Yeah. But if God is eternal, what's the difference be- for him between one year, one month, or a thousand years? Mm. Does he not have the right and the goodness and the sovereign understanding to be able to walk out justice in its appropriate time? Yeah. Just because the, the jury, as it were, quote-unquote, has not given its final verdict doesn't mean justice isn't being pursued. Mm. It doesn't mean that there aren't steps to justice. Yeah. God's judicial process of answering the evil in the world today it may, from our perspective, go unanswered for weeks, years, or even centuries, but it doesn't mean that the jury is not—it has, has, has it doesn't mean the jury and judge have abdicated. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The Holy Trinity still hold court, and there will be a day of answer. Yeah. So I'm trying to paint out kind of like even just basic perspectives. Mm-hmm. If this, then God can do this. Yeah. The other thing is we should be very careful of saying God isn't acting when we don't know mm-hmm. all of the things that are going on behind the scenes. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's a complicated one. The main point is that God says, "I will bring justice, mm-hmm. but He has the right to bring it on His timing.
0: And I think we also see in Second Peter where there's this that the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, this, this promise of judgment, this promise of fulfilling all that He has said He would. Um, <clears throat> but he's patient, mm-hmm. not willing that any should perish. So that there's a even a slowness in enacting the fullness of his judgment and wrath, so that those may turn to him yes. and respond to his grace and the warnings that are given in, in that time frame.
1: Divine patience is the, one of the greatest themes throughout Scripture. He didn't destroy Adam and Eve and restart the garden mm-hmm. with uh, Adam and Eve 2.0. You know, yeah. That would have been a very efficient <laughs> process and just only have two casualties instead yeah. of billions yeah. right, throughout history. You also have the divine patience with Israel. You have the divine patience with humanity. Even right now, Jesus not coming back and returning Mm -hmm. is another example of divine patience withholding his justice so that the fullness of his redemptive plan can be completed. Amen. And that's the key aspect.
0: Yeah. So when we're looking, let's go back to Habakkuk and his situation specifically. Yeah. He's looking at the injustice happening. He's looking at the Assyrians. He's looking at his own nation, and he's going, there is so much evil, corruption, pain, and suffering. All of this is happening, God what are you going to do about it? And God responds in a way that he, I'm sure, was not really expecting. Mm. God says, I'm going to raise up the Chaldeans. I'm going to bring about Babylon, who is going to be my tool for punishment. Um, and he says, he says, look among the nations and see, wonder and be astounded, for I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. Now, that's something that we could put on a you know a, a mug or something like that and say, "Hey, look at this!" But God's talking about <laughs> coming judgment. Um, yeah. Why is this such an astounding thing that God would use the Chaldeans in this way?
1: Okay, so we just had some philosophical questions, you know, in, in terms of examining God's justice and yeah. timing. Um, now, as we look at the text and we kind of trace the flow, it, it has a little bit of almost an irony and humor to it. Mm-hmm. So Habakkuk says, "God, injustice, evil. What are you going to do?" and then god says thank you habakkuk for asking i do have a plan and here it is and then habakkuk says wait a minute <laughs> that's not what i wanted and that's definitely not the way i wanted it done yeah i yeah. mean so what what is habakkuk exposing He's exposing that he has preconceptions preconceptions about how justice should be meted out. Yes. And when God doesn't do it Habakkuk's way, Habakkuk mm-hmm. is a little bit upset. So the context the context is the Assyrians and society, everybody is evil. What are you gonna do, God? Oh thank you for asking. I've raised up the Babylonians, another evil people mm-hmm. to punish the evil people. And Habakkuk says, You're gonna use the the Babylonians, the Chaldeans, to accomplish your justice? <laughs> That doesn't make sense. Yeah. Um, so you have him. It exposes such humanity within us, right? God knew yeah. something, but I want you to do it about it in my way. <laughs> here are the parameters I'm going to give t- you, <laughs> Lord. Exactly. Yeah. Here are the parameters, God, because I know better. Yes. I mean, it, yes. you know, the, the height of our intrinsic arrogance mm-hmm. is, is is laughable if it wasn't so tragic.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And in this, he he says something in in Habakkuk 1.13, and I think this is this gets to kind of the heart of, a, of some of the struggle mm-hmm. here. He says, speaking to God, he says, "You who are of pure eyes than to see wicked and cannot look at wrong, why do you idly look at traitors and remain silent when the wicked swallows up the man more righteous than he?" Mm. And this is this tension of Mm. God. Yeah, we don't. We're not getting everything right, but we're still your people, and yet now you're going to use people who are just completely removed from you, who are full of all sorts of evil to punish us? This mm-hmm. this doesn't make any sense. And I think this gets to that, how can a pure holy God use an evil godless nation in this way?
1: Uh, the answer to that, if we can just go straight to it, yeah. is Habakkuk 2, 3 through 4. Okay, okay, Because it's very important that in questions like how and what, and why is God doing what he does, yeah. um, there are some answers, but there are many that remain unanswered. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So then we, we have to say, okay, then what do we do? Habakkuk 2, 3 through 4 um, says, well, specifically the end of verse 4, it says, The righteous shall live mm. by his faith. Yeah. The righteous shall live by his faith. And Paul quotes this again in Romans 1. It actually is a key aspect. Martin Luther kind of hung on to this as this is kind of the, the epicenter of Scripture. And yeah. that is that those who stand before God with a right heart live by faith, not in their own faith, but mm-hmm. by faith in who God is, Yeah, he's good, holy. He's sovereign. Yeah. He's pure. He's perfect, and his ability to do though to, to work out those things. Yeah. Um, so ultimately, what we have back uh, comes to the point of is, okay, um, I might be able to see glimpses. I don't understand it all, mm-hmm. but I know who you are, God. I know your character, and I know your qualities. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to believe what you say, yeah. that you know what you're doing. Amen. And that kind of brings it, really, that's the heart of Habakkuk.
0: Yeah. And I love that. And we see that even in the the very end of Habakkuk, Habakkuk 3, where he, he starts describing basically mm-hmm. though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit of the vines, the produce of the olive, uh, olive fail, and the fields yield no food. And he goes through all these bad things happen, and yet he says, I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the deers. He makes me tread on high places. He's saying, if all is taken from me, God is still my salvation. And I think that is, to your point, the faith of those who are seeking after the Lord is so important in those times of suffering, or of misunderstanding, of not knowing, that even if God or even if we experience so much loss in this world, we still retain God. Yes. And he is with us.
1: Yes, and we see that imaged ultimately in Christ, don't we? Yes, yes. That God used evil people, Mm. Um, even even Judas himself. Yeah. God used the Pharisees and the scribes. He used the people of Israel to crucify the Son. Now, I use a phrase that really encompasses a really important theme, Mm -hmm. and that God is able to steward evil without being stained by it. Yeah. And without spawning it.
0: Mm.
1: Like he, he does not spawn evil and he does not, he's not stained by evil, mm-hmm. but he is good enough and big enough that he can steward evil to accomplish his, his good purposes without violating his character mm. or his goodness and purity and holiness. Yeah. And so we see God even use, I mean, Jesus is the, is the greatest example of God stewarding what seems like pure chaos and, and is the greatest evil the world has ever known, the crucifixion of the Son of God. Yeah. And yet through that stewarding of evil comes the greatest work of mm, righteousness. Amen. It's such a paradox. Yeah. You know, it's such a paradox. Yeah. And then what I love, I love how Habakkuk actually ends. <laughs> so after you just read that, it says, God, the Lord is my strength. He makes me feel like the deer. He makes me tread on high places. And the very last line of Habakkuk is, to the choir master with stringed instruments <laughs> like like you're supposed to sing this, this song. Is a song like this is yeah. a song where you're like god why is there evil i don't <laughs> like what you're doing are we going to implement that destroy uh, judgment and conform to my ways but you know what i need to trust you mm. i'm going to hold fast to you and then lord no matter what you are going to do your work and help me to see your salvation and to trust your heart. Yeah. What a great song. Yeah. I mean, there, there is a group, uh, 20 Schemes Music. Yeah. I, I think yeah. we've talked about it before. Yeah. Um, 20 Schemes, you can find it on, like, it literally sounds like 20 and then Schemes. Mm-hmm. Uh, schemes are like projects. They're projects. Yeah, like in, housing uh, projects, Northern Ireland. Northern Ireland, yeah. Uh, but they sing songs like this. It's yeah. like, God, when are you going to bring justice? When are you going to do it? Yeah. And then it kind of builds this crescendo of remind me. Yeah. Uh, so I, I love Habakkuk. Yeah. There's so much here.
0: It is a beautiful book and uh, one very worth studying. And uh, so if you want to know more, jump into Habakkuk and uh, take a look. Well, Nathan, thank you so much thank for you, sharing. And uh, thank you all for joining us today. Next time, we'll begin looking at the book of Ezekiel and the visions that we see in there, visions of creatures and wheels and shining thrones. It's going to be a lot of fun, Nathan. I'm looking forward to that. (laughs) If you have questions about uh, this or any past episodes, or if there's something you've read in the Bible that you just are curious about, you can send us your questions at questions at focusedonchrist.com. Finally, for links to videos, articles, and other content, you can visit focusedonchrist.com.